It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Um, we are going to get to the guest in, um, I promised myself this would not be more than five minutes. Um, Spencer Perlman came on uh, for, not an emergency pod, but semi-emergency pod, to talk about um, these other draft picks the Knicks got besides RJ Barrett. So <clears throat> I'm going to run that in, um, like I said, under five minutes. Um, hopefully in like two minutes, three minutes, I just, you know, if you want to skip past this, I, I, I certainly won't mind. Um, I just felt the need to very quickly, very briefly comment on this daily news thing. Um, and I, the, the whole argument raging on Twitter amongst most people is who is in the right and who is in the wrong. Um, between Dolan and the Daily News. And to be honest with you, I, I really don't hold that strong an opinion one way or another. I'm probably going to write something on this um, that'll be in a newsletter, you know, maybe Monday, maybe later this week. But to be honest with you, everybody involved in this, you know, um, no one no one is, is living in a glass house here. Uh and so then why the hell do I feel the need to comment on it when I, again, I don't it get, this isn't a first amendment issue. This is like, I don't think it's like a fan's rights issue for reasons that again, I'll probably write about. I don't think this is like a respect the press thing, because if you conduct yourself as a member of the press, um, at a, uh, level, uh, below what is normally commensurate with what is expected of the press, then um, you don't necessarily, I don't think you necessarily deserve uh, the, you know, implicit benefits that come with being a member of the press that let's say the New York Times or the Washington Post or, you know, name most outlets get. Again, none of that is that interesting to me. The part of it that's interesting to me and the part of it that annoys me is the fact that this just continues as a story. And the reason that annoys me is because I don't think in any way, shape, or form, that this is helpful to the Knicks' efforts to become a better basketball team on the court, which is all I really care about. And I know there are some people who hold the theory that, like, kicking out the Daily News, not kicking out, excuse me, I want to get my, my verbiage right, not inviting the Daily News to these Q&A sessions. I know pe some people feel that that, you know, will be a sign to players that the organization isn't going to you know, is going to make every effort to um, keep them protected from media who may not have their best interests at heart. Like, fine, I, I guess maybe that's a possibility. We have never heard anybody say anything to that effect. I mean, plenty of players have praised James Dolan um, for uh, plenty of reasons. Um, I've never heard one praise him for shielding them against, you know, unwieldy reporters. I, I, I don't think they care... And, you know, by the same token, and a lot of people are, are saying this, the players may not care about any of this. They it, Completely, they may not care. And this may not affect the Knicks free agency in the slightest. 
but it can't help. And that's what I keep coming back to. There is no universe in which having national media members like Howard Beck or Mark Stein or, you know, I'm sure there's a couple other ones out there that I'm missing. Um, there is no universe where that is a positive. I just, I can't fathom that. And at the end of the day, this comes down to, you know, James Dolan wants his pound of flesh. And I get that. If I was posted on the back page of a newspaper that I had to walk by, every friggin' newsstand that painted me in an unflattering light, um, despite the fact that I do like charitable efforts and I try to do good stuff here and there, if that happened to me, you're damn right I'd be pissed. But to that I say, there are certain positions in the world in which when you deal with people um, or essentially you are in a customer service industry, like you just got to grin and take it. Like I, I was thinking of, um, you know, right before I left the practice of law, um, a, a, a client that I had that I had procured a six figure settlement for. Um, and when I, when she came in to sign the necessary paperwork, she accused the firm and me actually personally, I think of robbing her because, uh, she had medical bills to pay and, uh, she, and she didn't have insurance and those bills needed to get paid from her settlement money. And she was like, she, I think she actually literally said, I, someone came to me in a dream and revealed to me that you are, um, you, you guys are trying to rob me. Um, and I, I, I could have gone a lot of different ways with this. Um, I sat there, I heard her accuse me of things that would get me, uh, disbarred. Um, you know, I mean, I, and it goes without saying this was all nonsense, but like I sat there and I took it because I knew that, um, until that client signed that paperwork, they're at least involved, however, so slightly 1%, 5%, 10%, the risk that she would be like, you know what? Um, I'm not going to sign the settlement paperwork with you. I'm going to take my, um, you know, theoretical settlement and I'm going to bring it to another firm and they're going to get, um, the commission uh, on this. Uh, although I'm sure, you know, there would have been something worked out, but whatever, that's besides the point. The point is I knew that me sitting there and listening to this person yell at me for a half an hour was in the betterment of the, of the people that I served my firm. You know, I do it now in my capacity as a teacher, listening to angry parents tell me and the school that we don't know what we're doing and we're horrible at our job and their kids are um, you know, all the worse for, for, for coming to our school. I mean, largely we don't have those, but they're out there. The point is I would bet that 50, 60, 75% of the people listening to this, my words right now, probably have some part of their job that requires them to take shit and eat it. And, you know, there are two types of people in the world, the people that will sit there and do it. And the people that say nothing is worth me sitting here and taking something that I don't deserve. And again, the conversation of whether or not James Dolan deserves this or doesn't deserve it is, is not as interesting to me as the fact that it would just be in the best interest of everybody to sit there and eat it. And I, I can't sit here and say nothing because I do this because I want to be objective and fair 
whilst being a fan. Um, and for me to sit and just not say anything on this would be disingenuous. Um, and so I'm sorry if uh, I've wasted, I've gone, I've lied. I've said I was going to top it off at five minutes. I've gone on for now. It looks like a little bit more than eight minutes, but that's it. Um, I just wanted to say that. And uh, I really just hope that this is the last time I ever have to speak on this again and that this gets resolved um, somehow. And with that, on to the things that people actually care about. Spencer Perlman. Spencer Perlman on with us uh, for the second time in uh, three days, uh, probably a, a little less than 48 hours because you were on in the afternoon on Thursday and it's Saturday morning. And you have graciously agreed to join us for just um, a quick couple minutes. Uh, and I say a quick couple minutes because as I just told you, I am here alone in the house with my not yet three-year-old daughter. Um, I have given her M&Ms. I have put on Sesame Street. I have some paint and markers next to me should she come in and want some FaceTime with, with Daddy while Daddy is, is doing his fake job. So we're going to try to get as much of this done as possible. How's that sound to you, Spencer? Works for me. I bet you can't wait to have kids. Uh, yeah. I mean, because <laughs> it's awesome yeah. because it doesn't change your life at all, really. Um, well, I I'm actually curious am I going to want to coach my kids' basketball team? Because I will have a child that probably plays basketball because I'm me, and I don't know if I have the temperament to coach given that I was given the technical foul in probably every other AAU game I ever played in. Well, um, I am. We actually are already doing research into basketball programs, and we found a three-year-old basketball program that starts in September, which is when my daughter turns three. That's awesome. So yeah, so we're hopeful, but it runs the same time as gymnastics and dance, which of course my wife wants to. Um, she's in gymnastics right now, and she wants to get her into dance. So it's like you know, three years old, the shit is already starting, which is just wonderful. Right. And now, and now my daughter has joined my side with a mouthful of M and M. So let's see. Uh, you know what? We're gonna give this our shot, our best shot. Before we get to the guys, yes, hi. We're gonna talk about R.J. Barrett. Do you want to say anything about R.J. Barrett? Yes, okay. So before we talk about the guys in the draft that um, the Knicks didn't know they were getting ahead of time, quick question about RJ, because um, I actually went on a pod like literally right after we recorded on Thursday, and I um, was asked who I thought RJ Barrett would help the most next year, and my, my initial answer was no one, because he's probably going to have a rough transition to the league. But I, it actually got me thinking, and I, I just want to ask you real quick – I think there's a, a potential synergy with him and Dennis Smith Jr. at some point. Um, obviously, they both need to um, shoot it, um, and, right. and defense has its own issues. But just in terms of like both of their theoretical offensive, I won't even say ceilings, but like you know where we figure they might be together on offense in like a year. Am I off base on that, or do you think those two could work well together? No, I mean it really just comes down to shooting because they're both That's what guys who basically like need the ball in their hands. Okay. Um, and as you said, the defense is, I mean, it leaves a lot to be desired. But I'm actually going to say that I think his attitude and just like the way he goes about everything and you know how aggressive he is, I actually think I could be a really positive influence on Frank. Okay. Um, like you know, Knox showed last year that he really doesn't need someone. Like RJ. I mean, he needs someone like RJ because he's not a number one option, but he doesn't really need someone stepping on his, you know, 
whatever that saying is, stepping on his back or pushing to- him. In toes? Or or, oh, no, pushing him. Yeah, I got you. Okay. Yeah. Um, and moving him forward because he can – I mean, he's aggressive enough, <laughs> maybe too aggressive sometimes, but yeah. I think he'll actually be a positive influence, influence on Frank. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Um, At least I hope. I, I listen. I just hope that um, Frank is on the opening night roster. We survived the the, yeah. the biggest hurdle, so let's see how many more we get past. Um, yeah. All right, let's talk about this kid from Michigan, who I'm just going to keep referring to as uh, Iggy. Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Brzdakis. Brzdakis. So that to me doesn't sound Canadian. I'm assuming his parents' uh, lineage goes back to some other country. I not that this is important, but yeah, I mean Eastern Europe, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> one 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 would have to guess. Um, yeah. So you really really like this kid. Uh, we you were talking about it in the Slack uh, for since they made the pick and and have tweeted a little bit about it. Um, just, you know, give your, give your whatever, 60-second snapshot of the player that the Knicks got by trading up um, from 55 uh, to 47. And, and thank you, uh, James Dolan. You're far from perfect, but you spend the, the cold, hard, cold hard cash when you need to. And that's all yeah, so, to move up eight spots. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a really big fan of his game. I was really surprised he fell out of the first round. Like, really? You know, he def- yeah, I mean, he has his limitations. He's not an unbelievable defender. He's not an unbelievable athlete by like any stretch of anyone's imagination, but he's a, like, he's a good athlete. I think he's a solid athlete. I think he's actually a better defender than people actually realize. Um, I mean, he'll definitely be exposed by the quicker players, but seeing as I think he'll end up playing more uh, small ball power forward than anything else. If he's back down, he will push back. Like he's listed at 215 pounds. I think he plays closer to 240. Like he is, physical and as he said in the interview with Ian Begley like he competes and he, he goes all out um and then you know even in isolation I think he can hold up a little bit against some of like the lesser talented wings um but then offensively super smart off ball cutter like he sets his I man saw up, the oh, I'm high, sorry to cut you off I saw one highlight tape where it seemed like every mm-hmm. other friggin play was him cutting to the basket and and just yeah. getting a great shot yeah, I mean, some of the stuff is designed. Like, they'll have a play where they bring him up. He passes the ball to um, – uh, crap, what's the center's name? I like him. They, they <laughs> pass the ball to the Michigan center who passes to Poole. Um, and then there would be, like, a back screen. Or that he'd have the option of either running to the top or going back door, and he'd almost always go back door. Okay. I think that's what the play was. I mean, it was, it was basically – it was like a circle thing up top with him going back. Um, half circle. Um, but he's a great cutter. He's a good – outside shooter um 88th percentile on catch and shoots and he can shoot a little bit off movement like i've seen seen people say he's steve novak he's not he has nothing in common with steve novak like stylistically so who needed to be pretty stationary and and get set before he loaded up and and fired away yeah i used to say he was the most one-dimensional one-dimensional player you could have because he is (laughs) an unbelievable stationary shooter it was a great dimension um yeah yeah totally (laughs) Um, okay, that's super encouraging because um, everything to me you just described, um, like I'm, of course, the ever-optimistic Knicks fan picturing like, hey, if everything breaks right, this is Joe Ingles. Um, is that, I mean, I'm, obviously that's like the, his, whatever, 90th percentile outcome, but is that is that like in the cards? I don't think he has the passing ability that uh, okay, that's that Ingles has. Good point. Yeah, and, like, and Ingles actually is—you could argue that he's almost like a secondary um, ball handler yeah. in a lot of their lineups. Yeah. Um, plus, Utah's offense is fun to watch with the swinging and the pick and rolls and all that stuff. Totally. But um, 
I'd actually say something between like you know a modern TJ well not a modern TJ Warren because TJ Warren is modern but a better shooting TJ Warren who's a better defender okay um and less ISO but you know that kind of player just kind of like a scorer um and then maybe like with his physicality something like Linus Klaza ah um, okay just really able to play up and I mean he is physical and I was a physical player myself and I love players who not only play their size but play above it. So, um, it I, is yeah. sounding like this is someone who is going to um, be if he succeeds at the next level, he's going to succeed at the four. Is that fair? Yeah, I think he's a small ball four. I, I mean, yeah, yeah, small ball four. Maybe some like you know a few minutes here and there as a three, depending on who's surrounding him, like preferably athletes. Um, but small ball four is probably where he'll make his money. The yeah, I I know you said he's not. Um, not an incredible athlete, um, but he is is tough and he does have some size. Is he going to be able to to rebound? You think at the next level a little bit? Uh, I, I don't really think so. He wasn't a great rebounder at Michigan. Okay, um, so maybe that's like a lineup thing where you you play him where you could make up for that somewhere else. Yeah. Um, yeah. and then just the last question on him. Um, in terms of uh, defense, to me, it's like there's. There's two categories of like bad defenders in the league. Guys who, ugh, I, I I've been sh- I, I sent out an angry not an angry a, a derogatory tweet about Emmanuel Moody the other night. So I'm not going to mention his name. Um, let me use someone else as an example. Someone who like just can't get out of their own way and or like clearly doesn't try. And then right. guys who like they at least know where they're supposed to be and they get to the place that they're supposed like Jokic maybe like Jokic is I'm not buying the thing about him being a good defender but like he knows where he has to be he gets there and like yes of course you could exploit that is or which category do you think he falls into yeah i mean he tries he tries he's smart so it would definitely be the latter well, that's that's very good. All, I feel like you're giving me all the answers that I want to hear. Is there anything that about him that I should? I mean, obviously he fell to the 47th pick, so it's not perfect. But yeah. Um. Oh, I, mean, I guess I'll give one more positive to bring you up, and then I'll take you back down now. But <laughs> sure. His finishing in the paint is is awesome. Like he has unbelievable touch with either hand. He finished it through contact really well. Um. And I mean, he's a lefty. Most lefty players, as we see with RJ and you know James Harden, they strongly, strongly favor their left hand on drives and finishes. He's comfortable going with either hand, um, so that's awesome. But in terms of his weakness, he's not really a ball mover. Um, I was talking with you know Ashwin Schwinnipu on Twitter, and he said that you know when he gets into the paint, he doesn't really see anything besides the rim, and okay. that's kind of true. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, but listen, if that, like, if that's, I, I, that, I, that doesn't, like, concern, like, I, when you made the TJ Warren comparison, I'm like, I'm not, I, I still don't know if TJ Warren, and, and grant that I know he had a much better year last year, especially the, you know, shot over 40% from three. Um, I don't know that he still understands that passing is, like, a legal thing you could do. <laughs> He's allowed to do it. <laughs> he is allowed to do it. Um, it, it I, that's what I was scared of. It doesn't sound like this guy is going to be quite that. Uh, that bad? Um, no. But, yeah. No. Okay. Um, yeah. All right. So this is encouraging. I'm very happy to hear all of this. Um, let's talk uh, about. I don't want to spend too much time on these other guys because, you know, who the hell knows? I, I Wilkes is interesting to me. The kid out of UCLA. So I just remember, cause, like, you know, because I just 
I, I don't study these guys like you do. I just try to get familiarity with like who the top players in the class are coming into a given year. And I remember he was like a name, not coming into this year, but the previous year. He was, you know, top, uh, like borderline top 20 in that recruiting class. Um, and then I haven't heard anything about him over the last two seasons. So it's pretty clear that he did not live up to expectations as evinced by the fact that he was not drafted. Um, but then I went back and looked at his like his numbers, like literally just his his basketball uh, reference or his like sports reference uh, page, and the numbers weren't like awful. So what? Like, tell me what went wrong for for Chris Wilkes in college? I mean, I think and if the answer is everything, like, you could just say that, I guess. But I, I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't go that far. I don't really think UCLA's coaching was particularly good. Um, like the Pac-12 as a, as a whole was kind of crap um so i mean that was definitely part of it but he's not a particularly high iq player i'd say Uh, especially on offense like he he chucks um a lot like (laughs) now we're talking about tj ward or at least the old old tj ward yeah like the way i've been kind of describing him is he's a much worse version of rodney hood um okay yeah like he he's he runs around screens. I like that. He's, he should be in time a good catch and shoot um, player, especially because you know in college he's going to have a larger role in the NBA. You can put him into a box and tell him stick to your role or you're not going to play. Okay. Um, so I think if you're able to do that, he may be a back end. Like basically, best case scenario, I think he's going to be a back end of the rotation guy, um, three point shooter. He'll just get out on the break. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean the shot selection needs some work. <laughs> the inflection in your voice as you said that tells me quite literally everything I need to know um, about Chris Wilkes. Um, is... I actually tweeted about him earlier in the season saying how his game hasn't changed at all from last year. And okay. his trainer uh, commented on my tweet and he was not particularly happy. Can I ask what the trainer said? It's like, you don't understand the coaching, all this stuff. You know, he put in his work. It's not true. It was, he wasn't happy. Oh, um, okay. I mean, you know, okay. Well, listen, there's a, there's a, um, I don't know what the, what the word is. There's a canvas there or is it's, there's, there's some paint on the canvas, whatever. I'm I'm looking for an analogy that's clearly not coming to me, which is fine. It happens. There's something to work with. There you go. Thank you. That's the most straightforward and probably best way of saying it. Um, is, uh, out of curiosity, because you know, my mind always, inevitably gravitates to, to defense. Like, ha, did he show the ability to defend at all um, in, in college, was, or was that less not, a, not as big of an issue? Um, no. <laughs> I love this. This is fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. I, yeah, he wasn't a good defender. I don't really think – I mean, athletically, he has the ability to. Part of it's definitely effort. Uh, the other part's just him not really, I guess, understanding how to defend. Okay. I mean, athletically, if you can get him to buy in, there's no reason why he can't be a solid defender. Okay. Um, hey, listen, uh, for for someone not not waste, although I guess they did use one of their uh, or their their not one of their two ways because as of now, Kadeem Allen has the other one. Um, they use their two way on him, and these two ways I think are you know they're valuable. They're they're valuable assets. But um, 
Hey, listen, uh, worst worst ways you could go, I suppose. Definitely fits the the Perry mold, uh, it would seem, of yeah. betting betting on talent. All right, uh, real quick before I let you go, and my I can't believe my daughter. Do- my daughter is she's in her playroom right now, which I can't actually see, um, but I hear her little cough every now and then, so I feel like that's a good sign. Um, real quick before I let you go, um, anything that you could offer on either um, Amir Hinton. Um, or uh, VJ King, which I think is just a fantastic name, by the way. Uh, so on VJ King, this is just what I was told by someone who had spoken to Scout, so it's secondhand. Okay. Uh, basically, whenever his name was brought up, like, you know, around NBA circles, there really wasn't that good of a reaction. Like, people just didn't really think he had an NBA future. Um, so, I mean, there's that. I really didn't watch too much of him in college. <laughs> So I just might be wrong, and the person who said that might be wrong. Um, but it wasn't. It was what an exhibit ten. Yes, I believe that. I v- yeah. believe VJ is an exhibit ten. All right, so I mean, it's a low risk. He'll probably play for Westchester, and they'll see what they have there. Um, but yeah, I mean, Amir Hinton. As I told you in the Slack, it's it's kind of hard to watch his games from Synergy because he'd always have a head bobbing up and down. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> Which really did make my day. Yeah. Uh, okay, I mean he, the kid's a super athlete, right? That's his. That's his calling card. He's a he's a very he's a good to very good athlete. He's not Russell Westbrook or John Wall in, in his prime. It, he's a good athlete. Uh, he's not much of a passer. He's a very score first guy. He takes a lot of jump shots off the dribble. Okay, um, and probably way too many jump shots for someone with his ability okay. uh, and he has to work on his range a little bit more. But I mean, I personally think the story is really cool and it's not like he's talentless. He has, well, talent. what is, what is the story? Can you just tell the, tell the very brief version of it? He's a D two player. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's pretty as, much the story. Yeah. Like I don't think I've ever heard of a D two player going to the NBA. Like, you know, we know Duncan Robinson went from D three to Michigan to the NBA, but as far as I know, Hinton's one of the, you, if not like only players who have ever done it, at least in recent history. How um, how does an athlete? I mean, you may not even be able to ask, answer this question. Um, how does an athlete like that um, end up in D two? Like, how does not one D D one program take a chance on him? I guess the same way that John Morant ended up at Murray State. Yeah, that's uh, a good answer. Okay, like he didn't play in the big AAU program. Uh, Scouts didn't go to his games, and they just kind of stumbled upon him at a D2 school. I mean, it could have been academic. I have no idea. So probably know he could be a very smart person, but I know that's definitely a reason why some guys can't go D1. Um, I, j- I literally was- just finished um, only, uh, I guess, 27 years after it was released, uh, The Last Shot, the uh-huh. Darcy Frey book about the, you know, the Lincoln... Um, yeah, basketball. Yeah, great book, by the way. Um, but yeah, no, that uh, you just reminded me of the fact that, like, you know, there, there really are tons of players out there who just they can't, um, they don't have the grades to get there. So who knows? Maybe that's it. Yeah, I mean, he's he's interesting. He's a uh, he's a score first guy. He definitely has like tools in his bag. He just has to he has to expand his range a little bit more. Um, and he's got a quick first step, which I like. But I don't know that much about him because. I probably saw maybe three games of his. Hey, listen, that's I am feel fairly confident that that is three more games than ninety five percent of the people listening to this podcast saw of him, including <laughs> including the host. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah. Um, all right. We'll, we'll see him in two weeks at summer league. Yeah, I, I was literally about to say, if nothing else, this gives me and you something else to look forward to. Which, um, by the way, remind me when when are you touching down in Vegas? I'll be there from the sixth to the eleventh at uh, midnight. Oh, <laughs> right you're, you're gonna miss you're gonna miss Zion versus RJ. Yep. Uh, I'll like if I had known that I would have probably gone there on the fifth. Uh, um, but you know it was like 180 extra dollars for that first night, yeah. and then the other nights it's like 30 bucks. Just yeah. ridiculous. No, I I hear you. Um, well, uh, you'll be able to watch it on on I guess ESPN. It'll probably. I have a funny uh, that is going to um I think that'll get some eyes on the on the old television set here in New York. Um Oh yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just 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 possibly. Um all right, I said uh, I was going to get you in and out here in 20 minutes. Um I I think we're right at about that. Um I would I, well I'll ask you again even though you you I just asked you this 2 days ago. Anything you want to um plug before I let you go? Uh same scattering reports still up on uh on the Stepian. Um, and I mean, yesterday I put out a video on, uh, Iggy's offensive game in two minutes and 15 seconds or whatever the limit is on, uh, it's about on Twitter, that, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it gives a pretty good overview on what he can do. Um, but yeah, that's it. Awesome, man. Um, I really appreciate you coming on on short notice. Just, you know, there were a lot of people asking, um, about these kids because we, you know, we really don't know much about them. And now I think at least we have some kind of an answer. So, I'm going to get back to um, not neglecting my daughter. Scarlet Ray, what are you doing? She, just, she was here. She was painting, and then she literally just walked into the other room. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm expecting some listener to send me my Parent of the Year award for, for uh, either um, in irony or otherwise. Uh, but, uh, this was, this was fun and, uh, I'm sure we'll talk again. Um, maybe, maybe the next podcast, maybe we do a live, uh, podcast from Summer League. That would be fun. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. We'll see if we can, uh, rope Zach Lowe in maybe as the, as the third, as the third guest or the second guest. I, th- I think we can do it. Yeah, he could, de- he's definitely up for it. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Take care. You too. Later.